0: Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first-class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Raider is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. It is always extremely gratifying when someone in fashion who has paid their dues and learned the trade alongside the best finally gets their moment in the spotlight. That is how the fashion industry felt when Sonia Riquiel named Julie Delibrand as its creative director in 2014. Julie worked with the likes of Marc Jacobs, Miuccia Prada, Johnny Versace, and Jean-Franco Ferré during her career. And since she arrived at Riquiel, she's been very successful at offering collections that have an upbeat and female empowerment message, very much in keeping with the DNA of the house, giving the clothing a modern slant, but always with a nod to the 1970s, which was when the founder of the house was at her peak of creativity. That was also when Julie's mom was wearing Riquiel, pieces that she later borrowed for months at a time. Julie tends to create more lifestyle-type pieces that mix the masculine and feminine together in subtle and supple ways. Nothing is overtly overstated, and yet almost all of Julie's designs somehow end up looking like great statement pieces. And as glamorous as Julie might look, she actually tends to be rather shy. She's also a faithful friend and a dedicated mother and wife, while at the same time she's running one of the most iconic French brands in the world. We spoke in her office, which is stacked up to the roof with books, as her design team worked diligently behind a sliding door, and her assistant, a childhood friend of over 20 years, quietly answered emails in a corner. We chatted about the Sonia Ricchia legacy, a childhood split between France and California, and how she envisions the Ricchia woman of today. Julie, it's such a pleasure to have you talking to us today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So nice to see you. Okay, so we're going to make it really easy. Start from the beginning. Your childhood is quite interesting. You kind of are a child of two different worlds. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: My childhood was in France, so I feel more than 100% French. I had quite a classic upbringing but I have to say both my parents are quite eccentric mm. so my memory of France because I did leave when I was eight years old mm-hmm. were quite magical but with visual um, things that were stayed very very visual to me mm-hmm. my mother's wardrobe that's I think that's where the link to Riquel came for me for sure at the beginning that's mm-hmm. where I um saw the first Riquel pieces because in the 70s, my mother wore a lot of Riquel. And so that image was very strong. And my other world, which was America, California, what I realized being in California, uh, my mother's closet was really France for me. Ah. It was like going back to my roots, walking into her closets, because it was probably just memory of all the French things that were... That came from France and that followed us to California.
0: And so what do you think about that growing up having the the French heritage and then this I mean the 80s in California was quite a style aesthetic of its own how do you think both of those have merged together in your kind of aesthetic and and how is that those roots kind of come together for you? Well I realized that in
1: what I acquired from California, because this is San Diego in California, it's really beach life, it's very comfortable clothes. For me, probably what was the contrast that is interesting still for me today is the more lifestyle and the materials that also made things more comfortable mm-hmm. or and also maybe the sportswear or the sports um, approach. Mm-hmm. With the more classic or more sophisticated fabrics that I could have had, maybe in France, or more feminine, or more. Mm-hmm. And do you think In denim, oh yeah, an example. Of course, denim. The World of denim.
0: Yes, <laughs> you've definitely incorporated that into your world here at Sonia. Like, yeah, that's for sure.
1: When I arrived in California, all the girls were wearing um, denim skirts. I had never seen one in my life before I was. <laughs> you were real Frenchy. <laughs> and I did want one right away. I wanted a denim skirt. And so maybe that kind of gives the example of that combination because I arrived to school, I was wearing smock dresses.
0: Oh no. You must have been mocked in those smock dresses of yours. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
1: and the week after I was wearing a denim skirt. I had to, to fit in, you know, at that age, it's important
0: to... It's key. <laughs> you want to survive. When did you really feel that desire to design into that this was something that would interest you? It actually happened naturally.
1: It was when I was in California. I was never finding anything I liked. Mm. Even for my everyday, I was very specific and I knew exactly what I wanted, but I could never find what I wanted. Mm. So my mother was getting a bit frustrated. So I, I was sketching, I guess, maybe to understand what you know I was looking for. And and then my mother decided to take me to a fabric store,
0: okay.
1: a fabric shop, and I ended up getting fabrics and having my clothes made.
0: Okay, so from an early age you were yes. very specific, but then I understand that it was your dad that finally gave, gave you the kick that tells you to go out and you know, study this design? Was, or
1: my mother would receive all the American vogues, all the French Vogue um, you know I had all the magazines, so I was a bit dreamy and I was designing, I was sketching but I was just doing it for fun. I didn't really realize my passion could become my work mm-hmm. and I thought what I was doing was for fun and if you know, making fashion, I thought it was people, I mean, I thought I would have to be sewing myself, you Mm -hmm. know, sewing all day, I didn't realize that you could just be designing and choosing fabrics and Mm -hmm. doing this part of the creativity, and I didn't realize, I guess I just um, didn't know I could do that, and I didn't even know there were schools for that, uh-huh. Yes, and uh, My father found a uh, school in Milan, mm. and he's the one that pushed me to go to Milan. Okay. And when I kind of, you know, realized I wanted to come, I mean, my idea was to come to Paris. Uh-huh. But he insisted on me going to Milan, so he did give that kick, as you said, and... Uh, and
0: get you there. Yeah. Did yeah. you speak Italian? No. Yeah, I went to Milan too and spoke not a word of Italian. Was no. there with like... The handbag. Um, Had you learned Spanish? No, I spoke no other language besides oh, English, wow. and I just was like, I got to move to Europe, and I'll take whatever I can get. So that was Milan. So,
1: so you learned there, not knowing, not enough. knowing yeah. anything. Yeah, it's yes. pretty much the same for me. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's quite an eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at your your career, and it's like you have worked with basically the most era-defining. Designers. I mean, there was jean Ferre, there was uh, Gianni Versace, there was Mucha Prada, and of course, Marc and Louis Vuitton. I wanted to know if you could just talk a little bit about those times. Absolutely, I learned everything
1: from them. <laughs> um, that was also part of my school for me. I mean, it's all a creative process in learning how to from John Franco Ferre, you know, he was doing all his fittings on his toile and I was, we would spend hours and hours in fittings and cutting up all the Muslims mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, I was just learning so much and also, you know, designing the fabrics, all the draping on the mannequins on the girls in this atelier we were draping mm-hmm. with mutual product who was, um, also understanding, like, you know, technical printing and working on research of fabric and creating our, our own fabric was also a very important learning process. Mm-hmm. The embroidery, understanding the techniques in embroidery and, mm-hmm. and just even creating fashion. I mean, being involved in, in the whole creative process from design to um, draping to pattern making to prints design to all the finishings, all the details, because, of course, uh, the whole work of knowing the finishings and the details of the garment is what makes it also quite finished and extraordinary. And it can make, you know, you could want something very tailored and beautiful and with an amazing fabric, but also the detail can make the whole difference of the garments. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I preferred to learn that way. Well,
0: then that part of that as well... I noticed is that you really did stay a long time in each. You didn't hop because a lot of yeah. designers hop, but you stayed at you know ten years at Prada, six with. Mm. And was that an important thing for you to really like get your get in there and get into the thick of it? would you wanted to like? Is that important part of your process?
1: I just didn't feel like. I mean, I couldn't have spent two years or three years. It wasn't enough to be able to really do everything. Um, Three hundred and sixty, and to work on shoes, bags, ready to wear, mm-hmm. the whole show. I mean, I needed that time. I mean, I know it's a long time. Today, I feel like younger kids are, maybe don't, you know, they, they don't need as much time and maybe it's the whole world that we're living in where everything goes so much faster and the, the tomorrow, everyone's a designer. <laughs> everyone's making their perfume. Everyone's creating their line. Everything's life.
0: overnight. I know. Everything's
1: overnight. So, I mean, personally, I can only say that I needed that time mm-hmm. to feel comfortable today to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't regret any of it. I don't you know it was it's part of my construction, and I feel um, I need I needed that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about today, a lot of your peers, uh, people who work at Major houses, um, they're working in a house where the founder is, is long since gone, and they, and they have maybe the archives, but you actually arrived when Sonia was still here, what was, was that like being coming into a house where the founder was still here?
1: Um, extraordinary. I mean, for me, to, to have been asked to come and design the next pages of fashion for Sonia Riquel herself, I mean, she was always such an icon. Mm-hmm to me, and I think she's a real French icon. And I loved the opportunity to come and design as a woman, designing for women, as she did herself in her time. I felt very close to what she had done in terms of breaking the rules and letting women, you know, creating clothes that created a certain freedom for movements, for liberated their heads maybe with their clothes. And um, so for me, she's opened so many doors already, so it gave me also that possibility to be to play with so much, even though it's under her name. But I feel like there's an extreme liberty, mm-hmm. freedom to this house because she's created her this freedom herself. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. she she yeah.
0: she created that space for you. We're talking about the liberty that Sonia has given you, and that basically that's part of the DNA of the house. So then, what as you, yeah. Julia, are how are you? putting your stamp on it then what are you bringing in that that's you know makes it like this is your your era and this is your generation and it's still Sonia but it's also you
1: for me i felt comfortable because being a woman designing for women i kind of stepped in into that role as she was doing herself and for me what i'm bringing is what i was explaining from the beginning is probably my experience and my my upbringing so i feel Uh, There's a sensibility, a French sensibility. Uh But then, because I've lived abroad Uh and I've lived in America, I was brought up in America and lived many years in Italy 15 years I feel like I'm able to bring uh, here and what I'm in my collections, what I'm designing for the women today and the women of my generation is more this mix and this uh, freedom. And it is Parisian, but it is Parisian with an international. A, a, a mindset more mm-hmm. international because uh-huh. I don't want to dress French women, mm-hmm. I want to
0: dress women all around the world. And do you think that as a woman, designing women's wear, you, there is an intrinsic understanding more than maybe your male counterparts who are working in the same field as, as a woman?
1: Because it is a house of women. I do feel like it is important to understand how fabrics feel, how you wear them, how a woman's life every day along the whole day, mm-hmm. uh, their necessities, their the practical side, what's practical, the the utilitary of things, the the whole the moods that we have. For me it definitely helps me and I do feel that a woman She might want to show a different part of the body. I mean, obviously she wants something to be feminine or sexy or... But she might show it in a different way than just showing off
0: the neckline or showing off the legs. There's this um, renaissance of women designers coming uh, into the industry. How do you feel about that? Because you're really part of that movement of Mm -hmm. uh, amazing female designers leading huge fashion houses. Do you think that... Is there something in the water? Is there something going on? Do you What do you think about this whole shift in the industry towards women designers?
1: Well, as you said, there probably is something in the water. I mean, maybe they've realized the women that are, you know, doing the job and that are creating um, collections are maybe they're getting more attention and they're, uh, and they're doing something right. And there's some very talented people and women out there in... I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing that women are given more the chance to express their creativity and take over these big houses.
0: So I know you have a son, you're a working mom. Can you kind of advise the listeners, like how do you do the work life, home life, balance life? What's your secret?
1: Oh, I don't have any tricks or any secrets, really. Uh, I think you just try and do your best. Um, I, I mean, I work a lot and I'm, I'm very passionate and I love what I do so I think if I wasn't doing that then I probably wouldn't be happy at home Agreed So I'm lucky to, to that my family understands that I think an example of a mother that's doing what she loves and that's hard worker is a good example for a child and for family and it's motivating and also I try when I'm with my family to give them all my attention and my time and it's not always it's easier to say than do always but that's um and to really disconnect I could disconnect a little bit more from all the digital and the internet and the social media
0: but you're so good at it your instagram feed is brilliant and that's you right you're there you haven't like farmed that out to somebody you're that's all you your instagram feed is that right
1: yeah i i really do it for fun <laughs> i mean i got into it i was not doing any social media ever and I got into it because my, my brother lives in America. My sister's in... I mean, my family's really, really spread out. Mm-hmm. So they put Instagram... My brother put me on Instagram just so I could share photos mm-hmm. th- with the family mm-hmm. being so far away. But I, I'm really doing it for fun. And if it gets to be part of my work, mm-hmm. then I'm going to stop because mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it just for
0: fun. I just wanted to ask you a couple of other little fun things like... What is your biggest challenge right now? What do you what do you see for yourself, either professionally, personally, what do you feel is like the big challenge in your life right now? Well, the big challenge right now at
1: Sonia Riquel for me is to see the collections in the street. I wanna see it on the girls, I wanna see it when I go to a party, I wanna see it when I go to New York on the streets, I wanna to go to California and see it. Have you seen somebody on the street wearing a yes, piece of yours? What, yes, what was that like?
0: Did you stock them? What was I
1: mean? I have up? since I've arrived yeah. here. I, I definitely have, and I, but I just want to see more
0: of it. Yeah, I of guess. course, of <laughs> course, of no, no, course. No, I can true. only imagine being a designer and seeing their their designs on the street by some person you don't know, and that must just be such a heartwarming experience. It's
1: good. It's fun, and I love seeing the way that person has acquired that piece and how they're wearing it. If it's with a, a certain shoe, a tennis shoe. A, different bag the way they're doing their hair I mean just I love mm-hmm. to see how it's really worn mm-hmm. in the street I mm-hmm. think that's wonderful
0: okay what that's, is something what is something that a woman should never do
1: something that a woman should never do is um, feeling inferior yeah
0: and what is something that all women should do
1: find a way to be happy
0: Okay, so now I'm gonna do this thing that we call five generic fashion questions because it's you get these all the time and you must know these answers by rote. Yeah, So ready think tricky. Ready? <laughs> Here we go. Five generic fashion questions. What is the most treasured piece of clothing do you have in your closet?
1: My grandmother's coat. What's it what kind of coat it's, is it's it? It's a leopard
0: From the sixties. Nice. What is the one item of clothing every woman should invest in? Pair of jeans. Okay. Who is your favorite designer, living or dead?
1: Oh. Um. Sorry. (laughs) Am I supposed to go quick on this? No, you got all the time in the world. It's up to you. Oh God, it's hard. Uh, because I have. All right, I'll let you. Mucho Prada. Mucho Prada. I yes, I could say which product? Okay. She's alive. I mean, there's Coco Chanel. Mm-hmm. I could say Coco Chanel, I could say Yves Saint Laurent, like, yeah.
0: The list is long. Yeah. Okay. What is one fashion trend you will never follow?
1: Uh, Flip flops.
0: Okay, I like that one. <laughs> um, what do you love most about fashion?
1: Passion and the dedicated dedication i also love clothes the clothes the the actually what it brings you when you wear the clothes the feeling that it brings you the happy the the not the mood but the Mm sensation yeah the sensation of wearing fashion Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, yeah yeah feeling good in your clothes yeah Yeah, feeling good in your clothes okay thank you so much for speaking with me and for taking the time to do this interview. I appreciate it very much. Of course, I was happy to. Thank Thank you. you. It's always nice to see you. It's (laughs) good to see you as well. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry. And GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work-life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.